Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Who doesn't want to talk about masturbation and first orgasms? Lauren and I tell stories and share about our experiences and relationships to our sexual selves. Um, have you started having dinner parties? Are you one of those couples? No. Well, we haven't like moved in together yet. It's I'm moving in in a couple weeks. Very, very exciting. So, yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, I did just get together for the first time in a year. I got to sit down in a room with all three of my best friends. Um, we've all been vaccinated and all of us are fairly still socially isolated. Um, so we were like, we're doing it. And it was our, uh, we've been playing the same campaign of D&D online for a year. So we're like, the last one is in person in a room. It was magical. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear yeah. that. This all sounds like good content. So I'll just say... Sure. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with my friend, Lauren, <laughs> and we are talking about D&D and hopeful post-pandemic things, and probably masturbation later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, that's awesome. Hopeful post-pandemic things, also masturbation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like, you know, has, is pretty appropriate to quarantine totally i mean i don't know about you oh yeah no i've definitely i have been smacking it pretty hard over quarantine i think you kind of have to there's just not you run out of things to do and then you just do yourself you just do yourself yeah and then you get bored of that definitely after a while and just well i don't know sex toys then you spend a lot of time looking at sex toys being like i'm sure i can take this to another level yeah, yeah, and then I put them all on my wish list, and then I I look at my wish list when I'm not horny, and I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> you have better control than me. I just I just go through and like I'm like, okay, I can only buy one of these three sex toys. All right, I'll buy this one, and then when it comes, I'm That's like, oh yeah, I was planning on doing something with this, and then I'm like, did I ask my partners first? No, I didn't. Hey, do you want to play with me in this toy? No? Okay. Do you want to play with me in this toy? No? Okay. Do you want to play with me in this toy? Maybe. Now it's a no. Okay. Um, (laughs) Proceed to check out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, well, I guess this toy is going in my emergency threesome preparedness kit. There you go. And uh, I just won't use it. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's um, one of the downsides to looking at toys when you're horny is you end up being like, this toy seems like such a great idea. And it does seem like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it is a great like, idea is different. Yeah, it's like going grocery shopping when you're super hungry and you come home and you have like a five pound bag of gummy bears and a charcuterie board. and you're like, 100%. I mean, these are still good things, but it's not <laughs> what I should have for dinner, you know, yeah. <laughs> like on a consistent basis. Uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> I'm imagining yeah. someone scarfing down some like Gruyere being like, you know, this doesn't go with gummy bears the same way that it seemed like it would. 
Oh, no. <laughs> Feel like that, that did happen. Though. Legit. No, like 100% legit. Yeah, it did. It did happen. <laughs> Feel like you would need to like eat the gorgonzola, give it some time, then go to the gummy bears, yeah. give it some time, yeah. then go to the hot Genoa salami, as opposed to cramming them all in your mouth at once and being like, oh God, it's like a war in my mouth and no one's invited. Uh, I wish that I I didn't subscribe to the latter, but I do in like all <laughs> my life. So moderation has really never been um, like a strong suit. practice. Yeah, yeah, no, not not great at it. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's something about intense sensation seeking type people. It's just like yeah, sure, all or all or nothing, or just that you start with some. And then you go to more mm-hmm. and then you're like, what does all feel like? And then you do all and you're yeah, like, let's right. go back to some. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, so many areas of my life that absolutely pertains to. Yep. <laughs> I respect that. Mm-hmm. Hey man, at least, you know, I've got stories, right? Totally. Which, who, uh... which makes you perfect for a podcast. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, masturbation. Um, I'm super interested to talk about like first experiences masturbating and like first discoveries of pleasure and like what that like was like and how that impacted your relationship with yourself. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) so you know how, (laughs) so embarrassing, but you know how Freud is like, um, kids are like, there's like this age and it's really young where you first become aware of like, I don't really know what it is, but like kids can become, you can become pretty sexual without, I don't. I know what you mean though. It's like you become aware of erotic. Yeah, like your first. It's like you. Energy, like young. Yeah. So like my first memory that I can attribute like sexuality to was like really young. Okay. And it was probably like age six and, and like, it's kind of like, you know, in a dream where something is something, but it's not, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of the same. So I, all I remember is sitting on a kitchen floor and then having like this really intense fantasy about Ursula, the sea witch Definitely. from, yep. Yeah, from um, Little Mermaid mm-hmm. kidnapping me and taking her into, like, taking me into her cave and then, like, rolling me up in a sandwich. And that was, I was like, boom. That is... <laughs> I came into sexual being. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not making that up. I appreciate how much, like, like, vorophilia plays into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> when I was, when I was camming, we had a client that was into vor stuff and yeah, he just mm-hmm. liked talking about like all kinds of ritualistic ways that right before you eat someone would look like. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I, I get that some people are eaten. sure. Sure. But it's like, but it was like about being captive, I guess. Sure. I mean, obviously, like, what you think it's about is significantly more important than what I think it's about. Like, from from my perspective, it sounds like there are definitely elements of, like, power and... Sorry. 
Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm so sorry. I just had a, a, a phone a caller flash up on my I'm back. Okay, no worries. <laughs> um I was just saying, like obviously, you know, what you think um, you know, your sexual fantasy slash erotic first experience of erotic energy at a very young age is about mm-hmm. is much more important than what I think it's about. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, like for me, there's a lot of elements of power and submission. And like you said, being captured, but then also there's an mm-hmm. element of fear when someone's going to eat you. Like there's this sense of being oh, devoured yeah. and consumed and being used in a way that destroys everything you are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I see a through line. Either. I see a through line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a little shook, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that is my first memory of ever having those kinds of feelings. Would you be interested in sure. hearing mine? Yes, so absolutely. I was maybe a year older. No, I was. I was a year or two older, actually. I think I was probably eight years old, and I had my mm-hmm. first gay dream where I had sex with another boy in my class but like sex when you're too young to know what sex is is always weird so not that there's anything weird about queer sex but it it definitely was like there was a lot of docking happening and I just like thought that's what sex was and had no idea how sex could work because I didn't know what like genitals looked like for anyone other than me Mm -hmm. and and rightly so because I was very young (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, that was, that was the dream. There was like a lot of like faux docking stuff that just like felt sort of pleasurable and like warmth and then like trying to deal with like how you relate to a person after you've had some sort of intimate Mm -hmm. experience, but just being really young Mm -hmm. and really like inexperienced and having no real clue, like what it was or how to deal with it. And I felt like a lot of those fantasies were like efforts to sort of unpack well how would i deal with it if this did happen because best case scenario it does and then of course you know you get to a place when you're in your teens where you're finally getting into situations that are almost pseudo-sexual and you're like i don't know that this ever Mm -hmm. was best case scenario you're like a dog that was chasing a car and then the car comes to a stop sign and you catch the car and you're like no 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 keep driving oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh wow so that was my That's first a good one. I like it. My first would have been around dreams, yep, man. Dreams. Yeah, I I've had very very intense sex dreams my entire life. Yeah, I've I've had quite a few like, as well. And the funny thing is, I don't actually remember any of my dreams until I went on um, escitalopram um, as an antidepressant, okay. which tends to give people more dreams. Um, yeah. Other than melatonin use. I never Mm -hmm. really remembered any of my dreams. And the only exceptions were like when Mm -hmm. I had like a wild sex dream that was like really awesome. And then I would somehow retain that memory for like a few hours in the morning. And then I would retain the memory of the memory, but not the memory itself. That's yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like I can remember sex dreams from when I was like very, very young Mm -hmm. um, and like, like teens um, and it's funny cause such a pattern, the ones that stand out, like, like being kidnapped by the guy from FIFA Vendetta and put in his boat. Lol. I don't really remember anything that happened sexually in the dream, but like just remembering the intensity of the sexuality of that dream. Being kidnapped um, by the guy from V for Vendetta. I can see why that would yeah. be hot. Yeah. Yeah. 
that guy is that guy's hot. I don't know what his face looks like, but it does not matter. Um, <laughs> it's this whole vibe. Um, yeah, so like a lot of those kinds of those kinds of feels, and then um, kind of like between my I guess my tween years, I got really into Anne Rice, um, and her sure. books are pretty dark. Yeah, she she has very sexual, very rapey books for sure. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that. I bet, yeah. Uh, and I made sure to always hide those books uh, so my parents didn't know what I was reading because <laughs> I was like 12. Um, <laughs> so I kind of, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I always kind of gravitated towards that. Um, yeah, it sounds like a lot of like consensual non-consent and like yeah. forced submission was of interest mm-hmm. before you even knew what interest was. Well, and like before I even knew like what I was putting into those fantasies either, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of wondering if, you know, there was something, something weird going on with me, but you know, yeah, it's realizing later on in life that I, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just to normalize that for folks who have, you know, consensual non-consent or like rape dreams or fantasies mm-hmm. where they're like, I feel like that shouldn't have been as pleasurable as it was. <laughs> Yeah, it's like these are. Yep, and it all started uh, with Ursula the Sea Witch. Yes, Ursula the Sea Witch. You're not the first person to tell me that Ursula was like their first sexual experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a hell of a character. She was originally based on a drag queen, I believe. Yeah, I know, which is awesome. I love that. When I found that out, I'm like, well, that just makes sense up and down. <laughs> when you see the drag queen that she was based off of. Oh, I actually haven't looked at the specific drag queen, but that would, I, now I'm mm-hmm. curious. I'm going to have to do that after. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Drag queen. So that was your, so that was your first like sexual awakening when you first sort of came to mm-hmm. an awareness of erotic energy, let's call it. Um, mm-hmm. May I ask when the first time you masturbated was? Um, I don't really remember, <laughs> to be honest. I remember a couple of times, like... Do you remember roughly? I remember the corner of a. Yeah, go ahead. Probably like maybe eight, like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I remember like, oh, maybe younger than that, like around eight. Probably I started realizing that it felt good, like friction, mm-hmm. um, like being in a bathtub, um, and like uh, you know, a corner of a desk I was sitting on, and I moved a certain way, and I was like, oh, that's new. <laughs> yeah you know um <laughs> um and uh yeah and then I remember my mom having a conversation with me about it because I guess like I was lying on the on I don't remember the whole memory I think I was probably about eight and I was lying on the um the front lawn on a blanket this like Mexican blanket just kind of like lying in the sun sleepily and I guess I'd sort of <laughs> felt myself up a bit got it um uh over over the over the sundress um and then my mom um being like and and to her credit being really great about it and just being like that's totally fine and normal but not something we do in the front yard yeah um yeah so that's yeah that's probably where it started and um yeah luckily didn't have any kind of negative affirmations or reaffirmations about it at all so it's never been something that i've shied away from either talking about or you know sharing with a partner or you know what have you i think it's like one of the best things ever (laughs) yeah it definitely sounds like 
that's the moment where people usually tell you something pretty traumatic about why they didn't masturbate yeah. for the next 30 years. And, exactly. you know, you had like this awesome teachable moment where your mom was super great about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. She was like, totally fine. Don't do it in the yard. Do it, do it alone. <laughs> Legit. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I don't remember even feeling embarrassed about it either. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty young. I don't remember when I had my first orgasm. Um, but I do remember it just like trying to make sense of what it, what it felt like. Oh, I empathize that. Like, yeah. I empathize that totally. Yeah. And like kind of wondering like, did I have an orgasm? What is an orgasm? And then um, I had a friend down the street and we were probably about 13 and asking her if she'd had one. She's like, yeah, it just feels kind of like a good explosion. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I've had one. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah Yeah. i had way too much shame around masturbation um there was a lot more shame for me um from from my dad i think um thinking about it i don't know i mean we also didn't have like phones so i couldn't just bring up porn on my phone so it was like this weird childhood of like looking at porn on the computer shamefully and just feeling like I might get caught at any minute. Um, and then either masturbating yeah. in this potentially public computer room, which was really uncomfortable. Um, Oh man, been there. Yeah. Like totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like scoping out the house, trying to like anticipate everyone's schedule and like where they were going to be. Yeah. And then, sneaking off to try and do this when no one knew I was in the computer room so that no one might come looking for me. Obsessively clearing the search history. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) I was really stupid though. And I downloaded a few videos onto LimeWire. Of course. And then didn't delete them. And my mom was like, really? Like, you're just dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, ah, dang it. (laughs) I thought I was sneaky. Yeah. That's pretty funny. (sighs) Yeah, no, I... I can I can relate to the the computer room, but um, yeah, that's too bad. There was there was shame. It's a hard thing for people to deal with. I think mm-hmm. like with their kids, it, depending on you know. Like I had a friend who grew up in a very religious house, and she had no idea what it was, and I had to explain it to her at, at age fourteen, and she was absolutely shocked. Really, she was shocked, and it was like we were on a school bus, and. Um, Someone had said jerking off. Natalia didn't know what that meant. Um, right. And and she was like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you know, you know. She's like, no, I don't know. And I'm like, when you kind of tickle yourself. Right. <laughs> she was like, what? Like, she was so confused. And it was, it was a very awkward conversation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Educate, religious education at its finest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when you had your first like actual orgasm? Yes. Like, what age you were? Um, I probably would have been like eleven, maybe twelve, and yeah. I had been masturbating for a couple of years. But I'd never really had an orgasm. Mm-hmm. I would just like touch myself, and you know, I would get hard. And I knew that when I was erect, it felt good to touch myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I would a little bit, but it didn't feel that good. It just felt like a little bit good. So I kept feeling like cheated. Like everyone else was talking about like how amazing sex was. And I was like, eh, it's like, take it or leave it. 
have you ever watched Big Mouth? Yes. On Netflix? A little bit, yeah. They, they handle that subject so well, mm-hmm. I thought. I thought the way that they, they, they did that. Awesome. Like the pre, prepubescent kind of discovery of masturbation. Yeah. It was, it was a weird discovery for me, but, you know, since I, since I, you know, ejaculate when I orgasm, I couldn't make, I, I was jacking off in the dark and then it started feeling better and better yeah. and then it felt really good and then it felt, um, like urgent. I don't know how else to describe, yeah. um, but there was like an urgency and this. Like a fe- obviously a feeling of wetness as well, and I just had no idea what had just happened. Like, no idea. Yeah. Like, was completely like, what the fuck just happened? Um, and I turned on um, the lamp next to my bed with my free hand, um, just in time to see like the last bit of semen like oozing out of the tip of my dick, and I was just like, "Wow, so that's what cum looks like." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, it was totally shocking. Like I, I just had started feeling like I just was never going to have an orgasm and I was never going to come. And I actually kind of jacked off super hard out of frustration because I was like, I was like frustrated (laughs) that it was so hard to figure out how sex was supposed to work. I was like, I have genitals that I'm told are like the easier genitals to figure out. And I have no clue what I'm doing. Oh my god! Um, yeah. And that must have just been like the most gratifying and also surreal moment. It was really weird. Like, it was really weird. Like, I don't know. And I don't know how I would have been able to, you know, with with having like an actual physical, like coming for a guy having stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> come out right. That's yeah. For women, it's yeah, it's definitely very different. I don't know how I would have mentally handled that. It was very weird to be like, and stuff yeah. just shot out of my dick. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, it was just like, you know, the usual curiosity, I think of anyone, you just kind of like, kind of like smell this odd substance and then like taste the odd substance. And you're just like, yeah, okay, this is, this is a thing. This has come. All right. Yeah. Um, and then you clean yeah. yourself up and you're like, and then you lie in bed, kind of shaken for a bit, trying to figure out, like, what the fuck just happened? Um, and then, like, what does this mean? And, like, what are yeah. the consequences? And, like, how am I different? And how am I going to think about myself differently? And, like, how does this wow. signify, like, me transitioning from being, like, I mean, you don't you don't think about it necessarily in those words or in those in, in that frame. Yeah, I was going to say very, very deep thoughts for, for that age, but I'm sure that, you know. So on, on my paper really route, on my paper route when I was like eight, right? So young, younger than when I was masturbating. Um, mm-hmm. One of my customers who I had sort of just delivered a paper to, she was an older lady and she had said to me, like, um, I had asked her how things were and she said her mother just died. Um and then she was kind of coping with that. And and she must have been like 50-something, maybe 60-something. I mean, I was a kid, so she just looked ancient, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't really mm-hmm. like type people into like what decade they're in then. But uh, mm-hmm. I remember saying like, wow, like that must be really awful. I can't even imagine losing my own mother. But then, I don't know, I guess that's what adolescence is all about. And she looked at me like <laughs> almost afraid of what I had just said and said, 
Are you sure you're eight? You talk like you're 30. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't think I've ever reacted that well to death, to be honest. Yeah. So I, props, props to eight-year-old you. you. But like, this is just, I was weird. Like as a kid, I was, I did have very deep thoughts. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would have been like probably like 11, maybe 12 when I first came. And I just remember being like mm-hmm. really, yeah, confused, overwhelmed, um, uncertain mm-hmm. and also relieved, just really happy yeah. that I had finally done this thing that I felt like I was supposed to do. And then the next like yeah. six, not quite six weeks, the next like two to three weeks were filled with on and off, like, okay, wait, how do I do that thing? Cause like, I couldn't reproduce yeah. it for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just that feeling of being like, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not broken. Like I'm normal. Mm-hmm. Like it happens, you know, I think that's, probably like the same feeling I felt when I finally came during sex the first time. Sure. Which took a long time. And then when it finally happened, it was almost like, it was almost like, I was like, yeah, fuck you. I can do it. (laughs) I remember going to the bathroom after and just like doing a fist bump and being like, yeah, totally (laughs) fucking world. I I can do it. I'm not defective. (laughs) Totally. It's, it's kind of sad and scary at the same time that that is the message that we give girls and just kids in general is like, this is a thing supposedly everybody can do. And then there is that, that weight for everyone who hasn't done it yet. And some people carry that, you know, into their thirties, into their forties, even later. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we need to shame people. Yeah. Less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, yeah, like you said, it's different for everybody. And I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, different isn't wrong right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah different mm-hmm. isn't wrong no, no yeah and that um that conditioned how i think my brain approaches orgasm so because mm-hmm. i used intense stimulation for my first time i think i kind of calibrated my brain for that um so it made it actually really hard to come during sex yeah so yeah, I can see that. Like when I first had sex, um, my biggest concern as a then 17-year-old boy was like, I have to make sure that I don't disappoint. I was so petrified of disappointing. I would say mm-hmm. my number one desire before having sex was like, just please don't let it be what everyone says it is where, you know, I come prematurely. Don't let it be this experience where I'm embarrassed. Like I just want Mm. to show up, do the sex, um, get this person off and then go home. You know, like that, that was what I wanted for the experience. Um, and I had just sort of taken for granted that somewhere along the way I would come to, and that didn't happen. I just didn't come Mm -hmm. during sex and, I remember having the literal worst case of blue balls ever. It was so painful that like if the sheet moved over my scrotum, it was agonizing. It was enough. I couldn't sleep. It was so bad. Wow. Yeah. I really, I mean, I've never really contemplated blue balls to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fair. They're, they're not always a thing. Like it depends on which person's body and what they were doing and like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think normalizing not having an orgasm during sex is something that needs to be done a lot more. Totally. 
I would say just right. just like if you're a penis owner, doing your due diligence to figure out what your body needs. Um, sometimes that's like PC muscle clenches, um, right? Like, and sometimes that's like a lot of PC muscle clenches to sort of like help all of the ducts and such clear themselves. Um, so mm. you don't end up with blue balls, like those sorts of things. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Different plumbing. Different plumbing. Yep. <laughs> I have my hands full with my own. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what mood are we in today? <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Masturbation's great though. I really appreciate I think when I first started, it was about the pursuit of or- the pursuit of orgasm, obviously, um, and then it yeah. became about um, that quest for like hedonic pleasure, like being able to experience that mm-hmm. like unadulterated joy of just like, oh, that felt really good, um, being mm-hmm. with my body, being in my body, being of my body, and then being done. Like there was a ritualistic beginning, middle, and end to it. Yeah, I was totally going to say there's a ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, it's it's one of those things that it makes me feel so connected to myself, too. Mm-hmm. It's never like, there, I mean, obviously there's times where I'm just like, oh, it's 2 a.m., I can't sleep, I'm going to just try this. Yep. You know? Um, but yeah, being able to just kind of give yourself that pleasure and take time for it and and really like, hamper yourself with it you know Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's such a gift that we get to be able to do that for ourselves oh totally thank you to our common ancestor with the bonobos (laughs) the the bonobos and the chimpanzees thank you to that common ancestor that looked down and went yeah this seems like the right time yeah exactly and and i love that you brought up bonobos because they're my favorite primate ever yeah they're my favorite primate too yeah, they resolve conflict with sex, and I think we should really try to take a bigger page out of that book. Totally. If if people just like <laughs> went home and had sex, if if such a thing was available to them, <laughs> if sex were just more readily available yeah. in society and the stakes were lower, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the big reasons yeah. sex isn't as readily available, even for human beings, is the stakes are so fucking high socially. It's like what yeah. what smart person decided, hey. I'm a dude. I really want to have sex with all the women. I know. I'm going to tell all of them that they shouldn't have any sex. I'm like, what? <laughs> that is that is some yeah. seriously patriarchal thinking. Like, yep. I get that it's about control, patriarchy, but what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. if you if you want to have all the sex, then why would you tell people not to have all the sex? You're working against <laughs> yeah. yourself, patriarchy. <laughs> That's a good point. Just oh. tell people to have more sex and they will. Yeah. But we yeah. can't even I mean, can't even get safe sex. It's like, it's so hard even yeah. to get safe sex education in some parts of North America right now that like, yeah, it's no surprise, for example, that like teen pregnancy rates were dropping every year for something like 20 years. And then when George Bush Jr. took office, it was the first year ever, basically, like the first year in the past 
like quarter century where teen pregnancy rates rose and it was because they went yeah. to abstinence only education and it's like abstinence only works for some people it doesn't work for every person yeah no kidding sometimes you just got to um, go the harm reduction way of being like here's how you make sex safer we don't think you should have sex until you know you feel emotionally ready please don't let yourself get pressured into sex and then the adult leaves the room and half the people are like hey would you have sex with me if i pressured you and the other half is like eh 30% of them are like yeah <laughs> like cool good luck kids <laughs> oh jesus that's literally it though like yeah i, I don't know i don't i don't remember much about my sex my sexual education actually to be honest in, in elementary school or high school. I do remember in high school, though, this one woman just really imploring us not to shave our pubes, but to trim them because she was like, ingrown hairs will just kill your soul. Oh, and she I really had experience. That woman. Yeah, I really thank that woman. And yeah. it's funny how whenever I'm I'm shaving or I'm, you know, trimming or whatever, I ah, grade eight, that woman, don't shave, trim. <laughs> like with, with, with clippers, right? Totally. <laughs> I, I think that woman, like, you know, every three days or so. So because... But that I don't... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to start something different. I You'd finish up. Sure. No, no, that's it. Oh, okay. That's like my only memory of uh, sexual education. I was going <laughs> to say, so as a person who has a beard, um, I'm really familiar with trimming instead of shaving. I mean, I also mm-hmm. have a lot of experience with shaving. Um. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because people talk about like how difficult shaving is, like people who don't have a beard. And I'm like, it is difficult, yeah. but it's like when people who don't put on mask, who don't put on eyeliner are like putting on eyeliner is yeah. really difficult. And most people are like, yeah, yeah. But if you're a kind, the kind of human that was socialized to put on eyeliner, you're like, I don't like mm-hmm. doing my, you know, like my wet line, like under my <laughs> Um, that isn't a good experience. I don't enjoy poking myself in the fricking eyeball, but like you do it and then it's done and you're like, yep, it's done. And then someone who's new to it is like, this is the fucking worst. Why do people do (laughs) this? And you're like, huh, I never really thought about how bad stabbing myself in the eye was. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same with shaving. It's like I've shaved, I've had ingrowns. I have I have an ingrown on my face that's like a permanent ingrown that I can't get rid of without surgery. Um and to do that surgery would be expensive and cosmetic and opt in. Right. Um so it's like I get it. Like I 100% get ingrowns. Interestingly, yeah. that ingrown was produced not from shaving but from using a trimmer. Huh. I was not Sorry, using a trimmer. Search? Oh, okay. I wasn't using Hmm. the trimmer responsibly. I was going really quickly Mm -hmm. and it accidentally injected a hair back into the skin. It was not a good time. Yeah, that's, man, I've, I've had some incidences, um, over the years (laughs) of, uh, of shaving and trimming. Legit. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Sometimes I'm still like, what how did i miss how did i miss this whole area i don't understand like i was like i like i crouched i did the whole like reach around i checked the area and now like what the fuck you know so i'm still 100 (laughs) percent. i will sometimes like days later because now that i have less hair on the top of my head um i do like Mm -hmm. the whole trim around my entire head 
um, yeah. and my facial hair as well. And there'll be times when I'll be like brushing my teeth and I'll notice like this small line of hair that's like half an inch longer than all of the rest of my head. And I'm like, how did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shaving a vagina is like plowing fields and then realizing that you left an entire quarter of your field unplowed and you're like, fuck, <laughs> I just really don't want to do it again. Like I just plowed all that shit and it's like, ugh. Yeah, I've to put on this exfoliator and then afterwards I have to like I have to do a sugar scrub and I just oh, I don't <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, well, that part's just gonna that's fine, whatever. But like they're not gonna notice anyways. We notice, but they don't know. <laughs> there is some truth to that for sure. If you've gone to yeah. the extent to groom your genitals and you are mm-hmm. showing off your genitals to someone who's into that type of genital, then mm-hmm. it is very unlikely they're gonna turn their nose up. You could almost say, don't look a gift pussy in the pubes. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. Don't look a gift pussy in the pubes. I'm using that. You, you should. I'm straight up stealing that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> what a perfect note to close the session. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank you <laughs> Thank so you. much, Lauren. I appreciate it. Thanks. I had a great time. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com slash intimatevictor. You can tweet me at intimatevictor. You can follow me on Instagram at intimatevictor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well.